You're listening to a Mornings with Kelly and Steve podcast. Be sure to check us out every weekday morning from 6 to 9 on Moody Radio. I'm pretty sure I shared this story with you a while back, Steve, but it's it's been, oh my goodness, back I think toward the beginning of this past summer. There's a young man that I know, and I've mm, probably known him for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, way, way, way younger than me, and very involved in the culture of today. We'll just kind of leave it right there. But we come from very different backgrounds. We have very different points of view. He's not a Christian at all. We're having a conversation. He knows I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. And we found out as we were chatting, because we have very different viewpoints on just about everything. Yeah. And the topic of Christianity came up in the car. And we were having a discussion and found out really we had a lot more in common than either of us thought. <laughs> and that surprised me. And truly, honestly, the issue between us was that we were really just speaking a different language, each of us. And once we realized that, he had a lot of sincere questions Mm. about Jesus and Christianity. And that absolutely thrilled me. And that helped me to see him a whole lot differently. It opened up the lines of communication in a big way, made it a whole lot easier and more comfortable even for me to be able to share my faith with him. And that's why I'm excited this morning to talk with Shauna Pilgreen about her book, Translating Jesus, How to Share Your Faith in Language That Today's Culture Can Understand. Shauna, good morning. Good morning. Well, Shauna, we are really glad to be able to have you on the program to talk about this, because in the context of culture, as Kelly just said, so many people have differing opinions. But one of the things that we uh, can fall into in our fallibility is that we presuppose things about the other person. We might think, you know, wow, we're so different. But as Kelly's, you know, reference just here, they had more in common than they had apart from one another. And so this has to be something that you've observed. So tell us a little bit about where this entire project came from, translating Jesus and how you are talking about studying the culture and being able to express and share our faith with the culture around us. Absolutely. And I just, you know, props to you, Kelly, because I think you're right, Steve. It's it's so natural just to kind of go in and have these um, preconceived ideas and notions and thoughts about the people that we're engaging with. I think that comes natural, and Jesus even expects that to come natural with us. But Kelly, you just did an amazing job of listening to him. And I think that right there is the secret to translating Jesus is when we take time to listen to what the other person has to say, instead of leading, we can have those preconceived ideas and notions, but not letting that be what leads, but letting, um, yeah, listening, let listening be what leads us in those conversations. But yes, um, translating Jesus, I'm writing it from a place of where I'm learning how to do that in the heart of San Francisco. We've been church planters here for 13 years. Our church just turned 13 years old, actually yesterday. And so much of this book, I'm living out in the city. And when I say living out, I mean every bit of figuring it out day in and day out of what does it look like to live out of faith in a culture, which is pretty much our world 
these days anyway. It's not contained just to a particular part of the world, but really figuring out how do I get to bring Jesus into conversations and into spaces where people aren't expecting him. And I'm having a lot of fun figuring it out. Well, you you mentioned listening, Shauna, but what what are some of the other practical ways? And and, and I want to ask you something else along with this, so so bear with me. I'm going to try to make sense. Um, what are some of the practical ways that the church can learn the language of culture to share the good news of Christ? But I, 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 want, I want to add this to my question, um, because I know people who would say, well, you know, they would. They may take issue with learning the language of the culture. They would say, well, I, I don't want to be stained by the culture. But you've got to meet people where they are at the same time. Yeah, I think we, we undervalue Jesus and we overvalue culture. And what I mean by that is I think we come into these settings and we think that culture is stronger than Jesus and the power of Jesus. And so we think, just like you said, it's such a... Um, Yeah, it's a thing we have as Christians where we think if we step into a situation that might feel more dark or is more dark than it is light, that it's going to ruin us. Um, But instead, what if we just flipped that a little bit and thought, the power of Jesus is in me. And he has got, he brings the light into a dark room. And so when I go into a place that feels dark, that is dark, um, that maybe feels stained and is stained, the power of Jesus can transform any conversation and any space. And so going in with that mindset that he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world really kind of undoes that lie and undoes that way of thinking. And instead, we enter into situations where Jesus can do anything in this conversation if we will let him and if we will bring him in and if we will have that expectancy. I love that song, You Are More Than Able, that we just... um we just listen to because that's what's possible. That's what's possible when we go into these situations. Go in expectant that Jesus can transform the situation and that Jesus can speak through us. I I cannot I could write a whole book of the conversations that I've been in where I have said, I wish I had a, I wish I had said, or I could have done that better. But again, I think I undermine what God can do. Um the scripture is packed full of people that God used that probably thought, what did I just do? I'm weak. I messed up. Um, and yet we see so many, we see nations and peoples transformed because someone stepped into a space and let the power of Jesus transform conversations and spaces. Well, it's interesting because you bring up a really valid point that we have, and very often when it comes to sharing our faith, we shortchange, which is the fact that it's not I who will do this work. It's the Spirit in between us in this work that actually affects the heart change. I can't affect somebody else's heart. I can be representative of Christ. I can speak truth. I can show someone the love of Christ. But ultimately, it's the Spirit that makes that change. God knows that if he put it all on my shoulders to transform somebody else's life, I couldn't do it. I could not do that alone, just as Gideon could not go into the encampment with 300 against 10,000 and by his own hand deliver a victory. We have to remember that it is Christ through us 
that works in that situation. It's not on us. But that's one of the things that we fear greatly is we get afraid to go to that dark place because we say, I, I can't do that. I, I don't know what to do in that situation. But we need to have the confidence in the Spirit to do the work and know that Christ goes before us, right? Exactly. And I know you were asking, what are just some practical things? And I think just two things that um, I allude to in the book is one, um, John Stott was an incredible evangelist in the UK. And he, one of the things that he talks about is the, um, the art of double listening. And it's this idea of like, wherever we go, we need to be listening to the Holy Spirit as he guides us. And we also need to be listening to the other person. And so that thing of like, you're double listening, you're listening to what the person has to say, but you're also very much in tune to what the Holy Spirit is saying. And I think sometimes we, yeah, we just need to probably check the volume today of both of those. Like, hey, are we really tuning up and listening to what the other person has to say instead of just being the one that's speaking into it? And then maybe even turning up the voice of God to what he wants to say to us um, on behalf of that person. So that's one one practical idea. The other one is this idea of open doors and closed doors. And the way I like to say it is if you're in a conversation or you're um, yeah, you're building a friendship or a relationship with someone, this idea that if the door is open, go in. And if the door is closed, pray. And Kelly, you gave a great example. The one I, I share in the book is that you know, I had a friend that was ordering coffee and there was no one else in line. And the conversation started off quite warm and friendly. And so because the door seemed open, she stayed engaged. She kept asking questions in, in the hopes of being able to introduce Jesus and the love of Christ in that. But then it got to a point where the barista was not interested. So at that moment, the door closed. The barista, you know, quote unquote, closed the door. And that was an opportunity for my friend to then just turn it into a matter of prayer and say, Jesus, you're here. You love her. Um, we had a good conversation. You saw how far it got. I'm going to leave the rest up to you and just pray that you would soften her heart, that you would bring someone else into her life today and just trust God with that. So that's just a simple, practical way that as we go through our day, just that idea of double listening and that idea of open doors and closed doors. Oh, that makes sense. And that makes it feel so much better because I think, you know, Steve said something at the beginning of the conversation. We cannot change someone's heart that's the work of the holy spirit but so often it feels to me and and i've seen this and and when i became a christian when i was a very young christian i felt like it was my responsibility to go go in and make sure that people's hearts changed i you know you you can really get that messed up when you're young in christ and that's not your job you make the contact you love people you tell them about jesus and you, you've you done what you need to do, but you've got to let the Holy Spirit do what only the Holy Spirit can do. Mm-hmm. And speaking of making contact with people and, and interacting with them, I know in your book you, you talk about an interaction that you had with a shopper at a store, mm-hmm. and I think it was Marshall's. you want to talk about that? Yeah. Um, it, it's fun. You know, when you write a book, you, you tell stories, but then – I mean, there's just been so many stories that have happened since. But um, yeah, meeting Charleston that day at Marshall's. Um, yeah, and I think that's how God works, right? It's You go into the day not expecting these stories to happen. And then you're like, wow, God, that was, um, that was really neat. I think the idea of the story just really comes from this fact of like, just what you said, we get to partner with God in this. It's not that he hands us something and expects us to figure it out and do it on our own. 
But this story of, of um, my shopping experience at Marshall's was just this idea that we partner with God. We are with him. He is with us. And so um, in down in our city, we had, um, I was in between meetings. Uh, I love to shop. I love a good deal. Had stepped into Marshall's for, for that exact purpose. And while I am just moving some hangers on a rack, there's... Um, a gentleman that bumps up against me and he quickly apologized and got back to what he was doing. And I was just very fixated on, on what I was um, looking at in front of me until I realized what is he doing? And I looked over and I realized that he was, he had a basket and he was taking the items that he had in that basket and he was putting them in his layers of clothing. He was shoplifting. And I froze because I'm thinking, like, I felt as if my shoulder was attached to his back. We were that close. And I freeze. And the words came to me. And again, this was just that double listening. I'm, I'm very aware of what's going on in his world. And I'm very aware that the Holy Spirit was telling me, Shauna, he needs to know I love him. And I need you to tap him on the shoulder and tell him that I love him. And when I say that I'm frozen, I'm frozen. And I knew there was no, like, I was not going to budge until I uttered those words. And, um, but it's also that thing of like, I know I wasn't making this up in my head. Like I, Shauna would not think to say this. So I knew it was the Holy spirit. So I tapped him on the shoulder and I said, sir, I don't know what you're going through, but I'm supposed to tell you that God loves you. He loves you so much. And the minute I said that is like, I experienced freedom. I grabbed the dress that I had my eyes set on and headed straight into the dressing room. And as I come out of the dressing room, this gentleman is, he's like, he's waiting on me. It's like, if you've ever gone shopping before and maybe your spouse or partner is standing on the other side, like they're just waiting, waiting on you to finish. I step out and it's as if this man was waiting on me. And I look at him and he said, um, I haven't heard those words in a long time. And you telling me those things. It's what I needed to hear. And I introduced myself and we swapped names. And I said, it's true. It's absolutely true. He loves you. And he began to tell me about his grandmother and how she was the one who used to tell him that. But it's been so long since he had heard those truths. And I was able to point out where our church was because, again, the doors open, right? So I went in. So I began to invite him to church. And um, anyway, I made my way to, to check out. And unbeknownst to me, the lady that's um, ringing up my dress that I got at a great deal, by the way, she said, um, hey, because of what you said to him, he ended up emptying everything back into his basket. And I'm like, what? She said, and yeah, what you said, I affirm that it's true in his life. And so here we are. I am like in a store in downtown San Francisco. It's not just me. Actually, the manager of Marshall's was a believer. She affirmed in him that God loves him. I got to tell him that today. And um, and I got a still of a deal on a dress too. So you just never know <laughs> the situations you're in and what God can do. And I've, yeah, just even through the book, being able to tell Charleston's story, my path has not crossed with him again, but I am just by faith believing that other people's paths have crossed with him. And I just want to believe that, um, yeah, we're going to be rejoicing in heaven one day. Well, you know, there are small rewards for our efforts. The Lord has seen what you did, and he blessed mm. you with that awesome dress. <laughs> <laughs> 
but yes. Not that we should do those things for those reasons. <laughs> hey, um, you know, the structure of your book, I wanted to talk about this because you mentioned the gate, the cross, and the table, the three different um, components of the book. And under each, you have specific things about the people and the stories and how we can interact with them. Tell us about why you structured the book in such a way. Yeah, I'm so glad you pointed that out because I think setting up the structure of the book was just as fun as writing the book. And so it's this idea that that the the Christian life, and again, I am, as I grow in my faith, this is making a little more sense, but it's just such a, it's not just a one way. It's not like we start on our journey and there's only um, yes, there's just one way to Jesus, but it's like the path can go left and right and and underground and through through um, you know through weeds and everything else. And so this idea that we can be in relationships with people at the gate in the marketplace, we can be in relationships with people at the cross, our church community, and we can be in a relationship at the table where we've got people around us that um, it's a concoction of of Christians and non Christians. And so it's not, again, it's not just this linear path, um, but there's this back and forth where I might be at the gate in this moment, but then I find myself needing to come right back to the cross in the next hour. And so the structure of the book is set that you can read all of it like you would read any book from start to finish, but you could also read it where you could learn the language at the gate. Then you could go across and learn the language at the cross then you could learn the language at the table. So there's two different ways that you can read this book. You can read all at the gate, the cross and the table, or you can read it like a cross and learn about the landscape at all three places, learn about what the scriptures have to say at all three places. And I did that in a way just to kind of um, portray what the Christian life is really about and that there is a lot of back and forth. Um, just in my own personal life and then maybe in your personal life, just with what you're, the seasons of life you're in, in your faith, but also realizing that there's seasons of life that other people are in. And I've even, I'm in relationship with people who at times it feels like they've even had setbacks in their faith. And so maybe I'm meeting them again back at the gate or we're walking together to the cross. And so really just kind of setting it up of like, it's not a, like it's not like a checkbox Christianity, if that makes sense. Um, but it's more just the way way of Jesus, where he just met people where they are. And so that was kind of my aim and how I structured the chapters. Yeah, I like the way this is laid out. Yeah. And I think that we have a tendency um, sometimes to make things harder than what it was yeah. ever mm. meant to be. Yeah. And I yeah. get so frustrated with myself sometimes, too, Shauna, because I will labor over a thing. It was like, you know, you talked about being there in the store and encountering the young man and just being frozen in place and knowing that you were not going to have any peace until you said what God wanted you to say to him. And I understand exactly what you mean by that. <laughs> and I just make it so hard in my mind. And that's not, I think, what God intended for us to uh, experience because sharing our faith should be a joy. But we, we let culture and other things, I think, just in intimidate us sometimes. I also, um, I was flipping through here, and I'm looking at page uh, pages 212 and 213 also. I love the way you simply break down how the good news can be given in three simple sentences. Jesus yes. loves you. You want to share that, starting with that? Yes, it's uh, Jesus loves you, love him back, love one another. And I, I've been a believer for a long time, and so I've grown up with 
just the way we try to to simplify the gospel. And I think it, it works in a sense that we try to simplify it just to make it easy for us to um, almost like regurgitate and makes it easy for us to be able to say to someone else. And those are tools, right? This is just, a, it's an, it's a framework. It's an mm-hmm. idea. Jesus loves you. Love him back. Love one another. Just that if you could keep that in the back of your head and you're, you're in a conversation with someone, like if you could get three simple truths across, again, there's so much more with the Christian faith than these three sentences. But again, I think it's this idea of like letting love I mean, the scriptures just talk about how love, um, it casts out fear. It conquers all. It's the greatest thing. Um, it's how people know that we are we belong to Jesus. And it's it, we love because he first loved us. And so love is powerful. It's simple, but it's so powerful. So to think about conveying those truths to someone that Jesus loves you. And I mean, just let's even just put it back in my shopping experience at, at Marshall's with Charleston that day. Jesus loves you. And then the second one love him back like that's how you engage in a relationship with him is you just you you love him back you you're so grateful for what he did for you and how he rescued us from mm-hmm. sin and and wants a relationship with us and then we get to spend the rest of our lives loving one another and um that's just a simple way of summing up the good news of Jesus that if you are engaged in a conversation that you could lead or build on a conversation with those simple truths Jesus loves you Mm-hmm. love him back, and love one another. Yeah. Well, Shauna, we're so glad for this as a resource, and we want to be able to point our listeners to get a copy. I want to encourage you to go to Amazon.com and pick up a copy of Translating Jesus, How to Share Your Faith in Language in Today's Culture that they can understand. You can find information about Shauna at shaunapilgreen.com as well. You're going to be able to find her on Insta and X, as well as Facebook under Shauna Pilgreen Story. That's the place you're going to find all of that information. But if you go over to the webpage, you can sign up, get the weekly newsletter, and she's got a free gift there for you. All right. Shauna, it has been great talking with you this morning. I wish we had more time to be able to chat because there are more stories that I'd like to share, and I bet Mm -hmm. you have got so many (laughs) in your experiences with your church, which, by the way, happy birthday to your church. Happy anniversary, I guess I should say. (laughs) Yes, yes. Thank you so much. Well, I, if you want a continued conversation, I'm happy to hop on here again, and we can pick up where we left off. That would be wonderful. Thank you so much. Again, Thanks book, for having me. Oh, you're welcome. The, the name of the book, again, is Translating Jesus, How to Share Your Faith in Language Today's Culture Can Understand, Shauna Pilgreen. If you need more information, feel free to text us. You know the number, 800-969-9467. You're listening to Mornings with Kelly and Steve on Moody Radio, from the word to life.